Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, I have Coach Coach Arnett with me. He just moved. Just moved just high schools. Moved. Literally. Moved. Literally uh, the other day. Currently the O-line run game corner at Pampa High School. And shot and disc throws. Like the throwers Correct. in track. And a science teacher. And a science teacher. Well, right. well I appreciate you. You literally, literally just moved. We talked. You literally just moved. And so you get to be on the podcast, and I can't. I'm gracious that you just moved, and you said I'll still do this. That's oh, all. no problem. I, I'm glad that, glad that you had me on. Anytime uh, I get to talk and and share, hopefully I have some good things for uh, people listening out there. Oh, well, I'm sure you do. Like I said, I have the face for radio, and I'm just I'm just an old line coach. I used to say I know nothing, but I'm just an old line coach. So that's what I know. Well, I get that. I know. I know. On my epitaph, I want he was an old line coach. <laughs> or not coach, just he was an old lineman. I'm serious. I told my wife, that's what I want on my epitaph. 
he was an O-lineman because, to me, offensive linemen are, are, are special people. You know, there's no other position in any other sport that a, a player on the field cannot score unless, you know, extenuating circumstances arise. And it takes special individuals that understand that we are better than me. And I think that sums me up a lot. Yeah, when I first started this podcast, when I talked to certain O-line coaches, I had time to think because it was COVID. You know, we were stuck inside. I had a lot of time to think. And I was losing my mind. I said, I almost feel like at the time there was like almost a shortage of O-line coaches. And I would ask coaches. And, and they said, maybe not necessarily a shortage, but it is hard. You've got five guys to worry about on the field and what they're all doing at, at once. It's right. very difficult. Yeah, it is definitely a choreographed dance, you know. Uh, you know, basketball, you have five guys on the court, but you can have one guy stand out and kind of do not necessarily his own thing, but be a standout. Whereas in offensive line, all five have to be in tune and understand where they fit on the field or things can go wrong. You know, uh, if, if the backside tackle, uh, if he doesn't quite understand what to do or if he has a bust, it can screw the whole approach right there and, and really have some problems. So uh, definitely a unique position. And it takes, uh, you know, it takes a special individual. I think when you're coaching O-line and, and just kind of getting into things right now with some personal philosophy on how offensive linemen work and everything, every other athlete in sports you have to teach humility to, it seems like, that they already had that swagger, that confidence, and that you have to teach them that, okay, it's important to be humble. Well, offensive linemen are the other way around. They have that humility. They're the league of extraordinary citizens, you know. They're already humble people, and you have to teach them that, hey, it's okay to be confident and have a little bit of swagger out there, you know, that that's not a bad thing. The difference between confidence and cocky is backing it up when everything's on the line. You know, a confident athlete says, I want the ball when things are on the line, where a cocky athlete talks about wanting the ball and when things are on the line, backs out of it, you know? Right. And because I told some – and then another thing someone told me was offensive coordinators used to be O-line coaches. And then as this has gone on, it's become quarterback coaches are now the OCs. And so well, some, yeah, you know, we don't have visors and stuff. So, you know, we don't look near as good on, on TV or anything as, as quarterback or wide receiver coaches, so. Yeah, people worry about the uniforms. When I coach O-line, I'm like, no, we're going to get dirty. I don't I – don't, I don't give a rat's ass what it looks like. We're going to go out there and, and play. Seldom has my shirt stayed tucked in past the first quarter. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was my quarantine talk where I asked about offensive line coaches. And I was like, are we having a shortage? Because for me personally, up here, like I told you in the Burbs, this is my third high school. But each time it was, I need an O-line coach. I need an O-line coach. Or our old line coach played linebacker in college, and then he's just stepping in and doesn't understand right. me. So I was like, you can't find O-line coaches up here or nobody just wants to do it. They want the glory of wide receiver, quarterback, no matter what offense you're doing. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. And I think, I think it takes a lot. I think, you know, just talking overall, and again, I think that your two hardest positions to find on a staff, a good defensive coordinator has to understand secondary play and a good offensive line coach is your basis on offense. Like, I think offenses start with schemes. Like, you have run schemes, blocking schemes, stuff like that. 
which has to be understood by the O-line coach. And then it seems like your secondary coaches are, are a lot of DCs because that secondary is where all your adjustments are made. You know, and I think it's hard. I think, like you said, you can get glory on that defensive side as a secondary guy. You know, you can have prime time out there at corner and and, and still get that recognition and stuff. Uh, whereas offensive line's a whole nother animal because uh, I know uh, the past three years I've been at Humble Summer Creek High School and uh, and I had uh, uh, I was lucky enough to coach one of the best tackles in the nation. I think he's the best offensive lineman that's going to be in the class of 2022. His name is Kellen Bates Jr. Uh, but a lot of people may not know him like they know some of the uh, rivals. And he's a five-star guy. He's a five-star tackle. Uh, but people don't know offensive linemen. And and I'm an O-line coach through and through. Um, like I said earlier on my epitaph, I want he was an O-lineman. But I'll, I'll be the first to admit, you got to have those cats behind that can go. Uh, it makes such a big difference. Uh, I was at Deer Park High School, uh, and we had great offensive linemen there at Deer Park. It was probably the best unit across the board that I had had. And uh, I'd see a hole and throw my hands up real quick and then be a four-yard gain. Because uh, our running back just didn't have the breakaway speed that I was used to when I was at C King High School or Tatum High School, which uh, Texas coaches may be familiar. Uh, some of you other guys, Tatum High School is a 2A school, but it's been real successful, won several state championships, or I guess they're 4A now. Uh, we adjusted our A's a couple of years ago. When I was there, it was 2A. And then when I was at C King, I was lucky enough to coach uh, Travion Williams, who's at the Bengals now, uh, mm -hmm. Cincinnati. And he was uh, he was unreal, you know. Uh, his first year at AM, uh, he broke the single season the rushing record for uh, true freshman. And I always tell people it's because we didn't have anybody that was blocking for him that much. Not that those guys weren't very good, but uh, compared to the district that we were playing in, uh, they had not come in. And it goes back to some of those things that uh, it's a it's it's a different position to coach. You know, there's a lot to it. It's not just where where's running back. You know, I think the hardest positions to coach on the field, I think safety or quarterback, by the way, I mean, quarterback's a whole nother animal. Quarterback's chess boxing. I can't even imagine having to make cognitive decisions while running for my life like they do. They, they do things that are special, special, which I think is why you see uh, players in the NFL make it to 40, uh, like Brady, Peyton Manning and stuff that, that in other positions can't do it because it's, there's so much more to that than a natural just ability. You know, running back, coaching-wise, a lot of times all you can do with a running back is mess him up. You know, he's got the natural ability. Wide, uh, wide receivers the same way. D-linemen. Linebackers can get a little iffy. Safeties, especially you get higher levels, you get complex, you get a line people up and stuff. It's pretty hard. Uh, but O-line, quarterback, safeties, I think those are the hardest positions uh, to really coach on the field because you have to have – not only an athlete that has a natural ability, but someone that has savvy, that, that understands the game and can, can, can see how they fit in the puzzle, you know? Yeah, one year I had to coach quarterbacks because I lost my quarterback coach. I was the OC. We had a guy that could coach O-line. Nobody wanted to do the quarterback. I said, I'll do it. So I did. And number one, it's boring. I couldn't hit anybody. <laughs> Two, they're also kind of head cases. If something doesn't go right, you got to talk them out of it. And O-line has a language. We have our own language. Quarterback, right. I had to figure out that language of like, 
if they throw an interception or two, if they fumble it or offensive line struggling with something, he gets hit hard twice. How do you talk them out of that because they're head cases? Right, right. You know, that brings up a good point about all sports. You know, I think one of your key things in sports is confidence, like understanding confidence. And, and I was able to play at the, the – I always want to call it the 1AA level, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, FCS, I think they call it. Yeah. I played at Stephen F. Austin. It's in Nacogdoches right there. Um, I remember games at the college level. If I felt like I was playing good, if I, thought, if I felt like I was a baller, everything fell my way. And I think anybody that's ever been on the field – or on the court, or in the ring, or, or anything, whatever your sport is, when you feel it and you feel that confidence, you are able to play. But let doubt crawl up in your mind? Godzilla, that can be a difference maker right there now. You have to keep confidence. So I think coaching guys like that, that like quarterback, and uh, keeping those guys – the, because I all eyes are on them, you know. It, it's Tupac. All eyes on me. You know they 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 got to be able to perform, and they got to be able to perform with all eyes on them. And when something bad happens, they have to be. Uh, I have a a minor in philosophy. They have to be stoic. Have you ever heard the word stoic? Stoic just means I got to be just blank. You know, clean slate. Whatever happens, happens. It's in the past. And and you know, I'm just kind of talking. Um, uh, but I think these are some some things that I feel about sports in general that linemen kind of have more natural that they were fat kids growing up. I was a fat kid growing up, and it's like you get made fun of a lot. And and then I mean, it's either you you got to develop that tough skin, or you know you're gonna have a rough life, you know. And that, and it sucks that that the world's like that, but it is. And, and and sports allows us to to gain some of that confidence. You know, sports was a difference maker for me. You know, before sports. You know, I was, uh, uh, I don't know if they had accelerated reader uh, points up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a deal like in uh, elementary school. Yep. Like, I was one of the top 10 accelerated readers. You know, I, I give me a book. I, I love it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. And sports allowed me to understand that it's okay to be a nerd and a jock together. You know, you don't have to define yourself by one thing or another or be pigeonholed. And I think it's important for all athletes, coaches, uh, people, citizens, spectators, administrators, everybody to understand that there aren't, you know, one or the other. You can be whatever you want, and it all goes back to having confidence in yourself and having that support system. So as a coach, part of what we do, and like you were just talking about, uh, with the quarterbacks is saying, hey, man, rush that off, let's rock and roll, let's go. Those linemen seem to have a, a natural kind of uh, tough skin or, or, or a back that it just rolls off of. Uh, where some of those other positions don't. And, and that's an interesting, you know, aspect of the game. Yeah, and uh, they can handle a butt chewing more. Like, we don't, oh, yeah, yell, yeah, we yeah. don't yell, yell, but, like, again, there's that language of, like, you could pull them over and you can get after them, and they'll get right after each other right after you walk away because that's what that's they do. Good. You're right. And, You're right. They, they seem to be able to handle uh, some of that uh, – uh, stern uh, constructive criticism. Does this call it stern constructive criticism? Just saying things loudly is what we do. We're, we're saying positive things just loud. Is I don't even know how to not say things loudly. Like that's <laughs> my. This is my speaking voice. It's like the old school uh, Will Ferrell skit with Janet Reno. <laughs> Janet Reno. 
Tuarino <laughs> style. You know, it's just my natural voice. So I think as an offensive line coach, we kind of developed that. And then, I don't know, for me personally, I coach basketball and track, and I love both because I take aspects from those type of coaching into football because they're all different. Basketball kids are different. Track kids are different. And I'm able – and it makes me a better coach. It's not just – I don't – if you've coached just one sport, that's fine. Me, personally, I need that cognitive, like, how do I coach football? And then I go coach basketball. Well, how do I take basketball knowledge and coaching into football? How do I take track knowledge back in there? How do I connect to these kids those different ways and bring it – because football is my main sport. But how do I bring that back into that? I, I think that's a great point. I just came off of a track season. I coached shot and disc. And uh, I heard that – I and I, I hate that I can't think of his name right now, but I heard the throws coach at a clinic uh, for SMU – uh, and he, he's retired now, but he, he was a big-time throws coach. He coached several Olympic athletes, uh, and, and he gave me one of the best points that I've ever heard. It literally changed how I coach, and it deals with this, that you got to coach by fields. You know, an athlete does not understand how to perform an action until he knows what that action feels like, and that means – all the world because in the end words mean nothing words are semantics right like by definition that's what words are you go from one school to another personally i've been at seven schools formation may be called seven different things but it's still the same thing right right uh, a technique may be called seven different things but it's the same thing so i became a better coach because of track because i started asking in football all right what did you feel there you know, when they perform something correctly, all right, how did that feel different than when they performed it incorrectly? You know what I'm saying? And I think mm -hmm. when, uh, like you were talking about and you had brought up, it's important to, to not just define yourself as a football coach, but define yourself as a coach and never, you know, I, I don't think it's right if some people go off into their second sports or do something be like, well, this is time off, you know, because that's cheating the kids and, and that's not right. You know, I want to be there full on. I want to study. I want to be the best that I can be at everything I do. You know, I want to be the best person at lining up in a line just because that's the type of person I am. And I think that's what we ask of our players of our young uh, uh, men and women. So why should we not ask the same of ourselves? You know, and I, I, I think as a coach, taking from other sports and realizing that you still have to model all that stuff, like model the confidence, model that, that you're gonna sit there and try to do best is, is our key aspects. And then like in the off season, how are you as a coach gonna get better in the off season? Because I always said this, if we ask those players, Block to the whistle, block after the whistle. When you're running, if you're doing some conditioning, touch the line. Well, you're asking them to do this. What are you going to do? So for right. us, it's easy. Like talking to you is going to help me out. I'm going to go read this book. I'm going to go to this clinic. I'm going to join this Zoom thing. If you don't do that, you're cheating them because whatever we struggled, with, what we struggled with in the spring season, I'm looking at it and I'm going to take it back to my OC and say, this is what I think we can do to get better. That's me doing my part and doing whatever I can for them, and if they see right. that you're doing that, they're going to play harder for you. For sure. Uh, you know, it, that, that, that is the key, first off. That, that young man, that young lady has to know that you're there for them. 
-hmm. They have to know that you have to develop relationship first. You know, if, if, if that individual, if that student athlete doesn't believe that I'm there to get them better, if they think or if they see me just there going through the motions, just like we see them going through motions, you know, you have that kid or that, I hate to call them kids, by the way, because they don't want to be called kids. They're young adults. Uh, you have that student athlete, that young adult that is not doing what you're asking. He's going through the motions. She's going through the motions. Just like that, they can tell a coach that's going through the motions also. You know, there's no – I think one of the things that, that has allowed me to be successful as a coach is I, I try to be present wherever I'm at. I think people can notice whenever someone's not engaged, you know, and I think that's an important trait as a, as a, as a grown-up, as an adult, as a citizen of society to be present where you're at. When you're talking to people, there's a big difference between sitting there being engaged, making eye contact, talking to them, or then if I'm just sitting here and I'm laid back and I, if I sat here and I talk like this, you know, immediately, and I don't know if this is on, on where they can see it, but you can see, you know, there's a big difference between someone talking like this and then like trying to sit up and be like, I'm right here right now. What do we need to do to get better? I appreciate this opportunity, this is what was placed in front of me. I'm going to use it to spread my message, to help my athletes, to help my profession get better by modeling what it takes to be great. And, and not that I'm great, but I want to be great. And I'm going to work day to day to be great. So if I, at any moment, if I let myself slip, and, and, and we all slip, it's not like I'm perfect or anything, but if I let myself slip, I need to catch it. I need to be called out by other people and things like that. I think in the office as a coach, especially, you know, to me, I was always noticed when I wasn't a young coach anymore. You know, I don't know if they use that coach up there, but there's the young coaches, you know, and it's like, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. As a young coach, you need to be a, a sponge, absorb, absorb and stuff like that. But I think, you know, it's just as important that once I've been coaching, this will be my 17th year that I'm going into. It's just as important if you don't think out there, the, the, the people that are listening to this or that will listen to this, if you don't think your job is to model the behavior and to make sure that you're teaching those younger coaches just as much as the players you're part of the problem too because I hear a lot of older coaches, not necessarily on staffs that I've been on, but in general be like, oh, these 
oh, these young guys, they just, they just don't do it right. Well, what are you doing to model the behavior? What are you doing to show them how to be better? Are you just going to let them get by? Call them out. That doesn't mean be rude. Make yourself available for them to learn, you know, because it's hard. I remember when I was a young coach, it's hard to go up and ask questions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to go up. Make your make sure that you go out of your way to, to, to make yourself present for them. But if they're not doing their job, call them out on it. Just like, you know, and, and don't be afraid when someone calls you out. You know, because the deal is, is as a team, as a team from the head coach down, our job is to promote his vision. A head coach's job is to get a vision in mind on how to be great, on what will make his program a championship caliber program. From there, coordinators are the next direct line, just like the hierarchy in the military or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, no sports is not war. But there is conflict, and I think there has to be a chain of command and conflict, and I think it it works well if, you know, just like this right now. As one person, if I can talk to three people directly and they know that I'm 100% engaged with them, and I tell them, look, you guys, your job is to take my message. Now it's your message also. We're all in this together. You take your coordinators, they spread it to their the position coaches, position coaches to assistant position coaches that they have that. Everybody to the players on the team, because those position coaches see those players more than a coordinator or a head coach can any day, okay? And, and those guys got to get it to those players. Those players take that message home, you know, and they spread it out to their parents, and you spread it out to the community. When you look at established like dynasty programs, you have an entire community that is behind the vision of one man. And I think that's an important thing. And and it all starts with making sure that everybody is clear on what their role is and is clear that their job is important. And it goes back to making sure that you're present on things. I think that ties, I don't know, I kind of rambled. You know, sometimes it's like Will Ferrell, on uh, old school, I blacked out right there. I just started talking. And I think there was some good there, but but uh, I don't know if it tied together. I don't know if young coaches know what old school is. I don't know if they understand those movies. Well, gentlemen, I will make a list of movies that you should watch. And no, <laughs> no, um, you said a lot of good things because if because I had I had a, I'm going to 13 years of coaching, so I'm not too far behind. I've been doing since I was 18 years old. 18, 19, I was coaching. That's awesome. Um, I was a young coach, and I thought I knew it all. And then – No, we all. And then uh, I was at my high school with my head coach, so I thought I knew everything. Then I went to a different school. I realized quit very quickly I know nothing outside this bubble. Then I became an OC at 25 maybe. I was like 25 years old. I became an OC. And that's about – my second year as an OC, I realized I was an old coach. I started to realize right. – and then, but the it's problem. Funny. Now, let me ask you a question. When you went into that office, was it not like, it's not like there's a like a, a passing of the torch, but people start looking at you like, oh, oh, I guess, I guess it's me now. Did you get that feeling also? Yeah, like, well, because my situation was different. So the head coach, me and him are great friends to this day. He had to resign the first day of practice. The first day of oh, practice, wow. he had to go. 
and him are friends. Some personal stuff happened, I know, but it's what it is what it is. So the yeah. defensive coordinator became the head coach. He looks at me because I was learning the I was doing the offense with the head coach, and he goes, Guess what? You're the OC. <laughs> so we had this little staff meeting before practice. The principal came in and it's like, all right, Steve, you're hired. I walk in and that is what it was. It was like, oh, it's me. Like, hey. Everybody's forgetting you. What are we doing? And you're like, uh, give me a second. Go in yeah. your room, crawl in the fetal position for a second, get up, dust yourself off. You're like, all right, I'm ready now. Yeah. It- Coach Steve's show is sponsored by the Launchpad Kickoff Team. If you're a football coach out there, high school, college, NFL, doesn't matter, and you're looking for that edge for your special teams, for your kicker, for the kickoff, onsides, you guys need to go to launchpadkickoffteam.com. If you have a younger guy trying to develop the kicker, you want the ball to get to the end zone, you need to go to Launchpad Kickoff Team. This tee gives a coach a strategic options for squib kicks, onsides, everything. It is proven that your kicker will kick off farther. It is legal for NCAA, for high school, okay? The Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a game changer. So if you go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS to use the code CSS, you can get a Launchpad Kickoff Tee for 10% off. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. You can use the code CSS for the Coach Steve Show to get 10% off. Also, there's a bundle. You can get one for 10% off. You can go to two and get more percent off. Or there's an option to buy four. If you click the option to buy the four kickoff tees, if you like it so much, when you use the code CSS, you'll get the fourth one free. So instead of paying full price for all four, you'll get three. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. Use the code CSS. Get 10% off. Buy four to get the fourth one free. This is a game changer, guys. It does more than just hold your balls. Go get the Launchpad Kickoff Tee today to give your kicker an edge for next season. As you guys know, the Coach Steve Show is also brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. The Unhinged Sports Network is a 24-hour, seven days a week, non-stop playing uh, radio podcast about any sport that you guys can imagine. They have a proud partnership with Fanatics. So if you go to the link in the description, uh, go to Fanatics, use that link, and go get some gear to support the Coach Steve Show and to support the Unhinged Sports Network. They have deals all the way up to 70% off. They have deals for free shipping, and they have every single sports team you can think of. Your college team is going to be on there. Your professional team is going to be on there. They have good deals on jerseys, t-shirts, hats, socks, anything you want. So please use the link in the description to go to fanatics.com. Say big on your team's gear to help support the the Unhinged Sports Network and to support the Coach Steve Show. Like, I I don't know. Like, and it didn't kick into like day two or three. Like that first day was just like, like you said, I just blacked out. Like we just went out there. We really focus on just drills and, and this and that. And then we had to stay after to figure out what the vision was going to be. What are we going to do? About day two or three, I started to like the headache, the OC headache and pan- not panic, like stress started to come out. I was like, oh, yeah. this is what it is. That's right. It's, uh, it's that sense of urgency. Right. Not panic, but it's like there are things that I've got to get done right now. You're dang right. Um, 
and I'm not going to go deep into the story, but just basically it, for me personally, wasn't a good fit. Like short story. I was the only one on staff, not born and raised in that town. That's oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we'll go from there for sure. Second part was there was older coat. Cause I just turned 30 last November. So at that time I was 25 or 26. You had coaches that were 40 years old, 45 years old, looking at me like I know nothing and would try to call right. it out during practice. So I had to learn very quickly. Like I could have easily started one time. I think I yelled back and then I realized you don't do that. So every time they ever questioned me, I would say, you know what? That's a good question. We'll talk about it later. And we go do it in the office. I have to tell thank them. Thank God in the office. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank God for the office. When you shut the door. Yeah. Got you. That's great. So those are the things I learned very quickly on the fly. So for me, I was very lucky. I've coached nothing but varsity. When I coached at my high school, it was varsity. He's like, here you go. So I got thrown into the fire. So I've learned by trial by fire. Right. And one thing I learned was how you talk to the coordinators and the head coaches. I don't go in and say, why did you call this? Or like, how did you call this? What in the world were you thinking? Those type of things. I quickly learned like, hey, when you were in this formation, you called this play, they were in this defense. What did you see? Like, that's how you talk. When I was OC, we had this young coach who came in one after it was halftime. We're getting our butts kicked by 20, I think. I was we were I, I remember the play I called like flood or something. They were in a three high. I was trying to get flood. I was trying to get to the end zone. And we go back in the office and he goes, he walks in, slams the door, and he goes, Why in the world would you call that play? And I said, please leave the office and come back in and ask me again. And he goes, No. And it just escalated. I quickly realized that was my old coach thing. I was like, oh you don't understand how to ask these questions. Right. So I had to talk to him even after the, the next day. I'm like, listen, nothing personal, but here's this. So that's when I quickly realized we have to teach young coaches. Like we were taught and that was like my, I'm not a young coach anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That what you kind of said right there is almost why I'm not allowed to watch football on Thanksgiving with my in-laws <laughs> because like uh, someone goes, Hey, they, why do you call that play? Well, he thought he was going to score a touchdown. Why do you think he called that play? They, they game plan for six days. Like, what do you right. think? He watched it, He watched film for 100 hours that week, and it seemed like it would be a good call, okay? My wife was like, go outside. And I'm like, <laughs> my bad. Or like, we weren't in the meeting with them. We don't know why that's in their yeah, you know, I You know, I hate when people co- you know question NFL coaches because – Number one, or college, I can't imagine the stress that those guys deal with. I don't want that. You know, good for them. I can't, I, you know, I moved my family 10 hours across the state of Texas, which those of you outside of Texas, Texas is big. I moved and stayed in state, but I moved three states over is the best way I can just tell people. You know, it, it's literally a whole nother area. My voice is scratchy right now because I was in Houston that constantly has 100% humidity. And is is literally like just oppressive heat and stuff. And I come up to the panhandle and I went from 100% humidity to about 5% humidity. And so I'm all dried out. So I apologize for about that part. But um, I couldn't imagine going from Texas to Maine to Washington to Arizona and then getting getting cut in, or getting fired in the middle of a season. You know, you know bless them for, for – for having that love of the game and, and, and that passion to win like they do. I like high school. Uh, they can have all that, man, the stress of those guys. And, and, I, and again, I can't stand to hear just uh, non-coaches sit there and just say, well, he sucks. And just be like, 
Those guys on that field, number one, are superhumans. That's the Avengers on the field right there. <laughs> that guy right there can run faster than you've ever dreamt of. You know, you have that dream and you're running, you're so fast. I'll tell you right now, C.D. Lamb can beat you in your dream right now, okay? <laughs> it ain't even a matchup, right? That guy is a superhuman. And then those coaches are geniuses. You know, McVay for the Rams, you, I don't know, you've probably seen the interview they asked him. They're like, uh, this game in 1989. What the, he's like, oh, they ran a flood concept on third and 10. And, you know, and it's just like, yeah. What? Yeah. And you want to question these people? Like, nah, like, nah. I just, I have so much respect for all coaches in general and not just football. I know we keep talking about football, but, you know, all sports have their role and they're important, you know? Right. Um, I'm curious because this was my first year being like the uh, run game coordinator, I guess. You know, I've been O-line coach. I've been the OC. What is run game coordinator for you? How does that work for you? Because I know how it worked for me this spring, but you've done it longer. So, like, how does it yeah. work for you? How do you guys work that through, like, calling plays, figuring all that out? You know, to me, my job as a run game coordinator, and I think all head O-line coaches that have experience as an O-line coach and that, like, like we said, define themselves as offensive line coaches. My job is to tell the offensive coordinator whenever it's game time and on his call sheet and it's third down or second down, I, I have to know and I have to make sure that I have suggested the right run play versus the right front on all of that. And I think that's one of the key parts with and, – and it's important. Like So an offensive line coach and, and people that just start and dabble with O-line understand that, okay, they draw the arrows on the board. You know, this guy goes there, this guy goes there, blah, 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 blah. Well, when you become a run game coordinator, you need to understand that back's path also mm -hmm. because there's a big part called angle of departure – that the offensive line and the running back and the mesh all have to match up, especially at high school level. You know, when you get to the pros in the college, and I've heard, uh, oh, gosh, why did I go blank for a second? Saints O-line coach. I don't know if he's still the O-line coach there, but it's uh, Roshan, Roshar. Uh, I heard him at the Baylor uh, De Leon Clinic two or three years ago. And uh, they they had call in Jim McNally. And McNally is one of the guys that I first started learning things off of. Jim McNally coached uh, the Jets, uh, the Jets, the Buffalo Bills, the Bengals, all that. They call him Mouse. Anybody, any O line guys know who McNally is? That was like the first guy that I studied. You know, to me, you got Mud, McNally, Anderson. Um, you know, the pro guys like that that are like big time, like you know, legends of it. They called McNally as a consultant, which is mainly what he does now, and they changed their wide zone path like a yard. He was like, well, your back needs to go one yard out right there. And they said production went up like two yards per carry. And it's an important thing. And, and where I had learned from McNally was through a guy named Pat Rippey. Pat Rippey was my mentor growing up or in my early coaching years growing up. I was super lucky to be his assistant O-line coach at a school in East Texas called Hallsville. He had been the offensive line coach for Chris Alt over at Nevada Reno all through like the 80s and early 90s stuff, won a national championship at the 1AA level, was an OC at ACU, which is Evelyn Christian, OC at AM Commerce. 
he had he had done all that stuff and he was the first one that had told me like if that back's path does not match the offensive line's path or their angle of departure you you you've already missed it right there because everything's a choreographed dance from the from the front to the back as a run game coordinator you have to understand that you have to understand also third level stuff mm-hmm. you know you got to understand how those safeties are going to fit in there especially nowadays um you know I don't know how they are up there, but a lot of the three fours down here are based off uh, kind of like the KD defense and, and and that strong side in the three four, whatever you want to call them, the Sam. Your strong side force defender is a B gap run fit, mm-hmm. and you got to understand that that even though technically he may be outside the box, I have to account for him, and I have to under understand the flow of it, and and that is the difference between just being an offensive line coach and a run game coordinator is seeing that big picture on all that of understanding the mesh understanding your back's path understanding all five linemen and understanding that sometimes i got to get number two number three receiver to be able to block safeties and stuff like that like uh like the duo play uh you know a lot of times uh most people have uh your number two are going to be responsible for your safeties and stuff like that uh same with wide zone and stuff like that how are you going to undertake or or handle your overhang and stuff like that, you know, because um, there's some people and, and not to get too specific on scheme unless you want to inside zone uh, and, and wide zone. And then in and, and Texas, everybody runs kind of GT counter uh, power inside zone. And then I'm a big fan of wide zone compared to outside zone. Uh, Nick Caduti is a good friend of mine. Who's the wide zone guy and everything like that convinced me about, three or four years ago to change it. And if you don't know why zone, I recommend studying that up because it's all the NFL does. NFL, if you look at all that is wide zone and duo. And that's a long way of getting to, I've got to understand how those overhangs and everything fit because those guys are fitting on. And if I try to adjust with just my front five and not realize that I have receivers that can block those guys, now I'm changing the angle of departure on one level, but leaving it same on the second level, and it's you're you're going to see your production drop. You know, right? Because for me, I've always been just the old line coach, but I gave my input on everything else. This year it was, Steve, you have to know what the tight end's going to do if we bring him on the line of scrimmage. We have the H back in there somewhere. What is he doing? We've got two running backs. What's the other running back doing when we're handing it off to the other one? What's right. the, when we motion a guy in to block? What's this happening? So I had to work with the. How does it fit with your other schemes? Because right. how does these play complement? Right, like I came in and told them how I ran different run plays, so they had to adapt a little bit to like what I like to do. So like I brought I mean, in ISO, I brought in ISO, and I said this is how we insert with ISO. Like then they had to go, okay, how do we motion this? Does it work this way? Can he run from the right side all the way to the left and insert? Like you had to look right. at all that. You do. And the, and then H-back, okay, when you run inside zone and it's a split zone, do we want him automatically going opposite? Do we want him to release? Do we need a different call for that? How does that work with O-line, the communication? So that was all on me, and thank God I've been an OC before. Thank goodness I coached O-line so I could figure that out and bring it in. Um, and then you can also be there to say, is there too much? Do you have too much run going on? Do you have too much sure. motion going on? And then It's a great – well, motion free. Now, this is something I believe in. I think run schemes are calculus, okay? 
by that, I mean you have all these variables. Like, let's say the run scheme is a trig function. It's just a, a formula, right? Well, those O-linemen have to take and understand multiple variables. What kind of front is it? What formation are we in? What is the situation? What is it down in distance? I, I don't like any more than four or five different run schemes. Now, I think you can compartmentalize some things to make it easier. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Because I think zone is zone. I think zone changes by your landmarks. It's still the same rules. It's still the same scheme. It's just my landmark changes, my angular departure changes. And then by landmark, I mean first level defender. Like where am I aiming to get like my hands, my, my screws in my hat, all that. Then you got to understand tempo, which tempo in my terms, it's not mine. This is a, uh, Oh, what's his name? Jim Turner used to be at AM. Uh, he called uh, the tempo calls for second level. You know, where's my linebacker? You know, if my linebacker is a plus leverage, I got to get my ass out of there a little quicker than if he's head up to backside. So I got to understand my landmarks and tempo for O linemen. But in the end, it's still the same assignment. You know, I have these guys are blocking those guys and stuff. You know, I think in, in, in general, you have a zone scheme. You have gap schemes and you have man schemes. And I think that's really a very oversimplification because it's not like I'm going to have five different gap schemes, but I think you can group. And if you teach it right by compartmentalizing, that counter and power are really the same play. It's just who's going to kick, who's going to be my lead guy right there, you know? Right. Um, now, don't crucify me if I say this. So, one school I was at a couple of years ago, they were zone and they did traditional inside zone. They were traditional, like, you know, we're working up. We're not working sideways. We're working up. You know, we're all stepping one way, stepping this way, traditional. You might have a double team. You're looking, whatever. We, the linemen just weren't picking it up. It was either not aggressive or whatever. So we essentially just said, we're going to double team all over the place. Essentially, Coach Bastier will yell at me. It looks like duo. We're just not blocking the end, you know? Right. So there's our zone part of like, he's, He's reading him. So I brought that in and it just worked a lot better because then ISO blocking was the same and it, this was the same. So I didn't have to yeah. teach anything. So do you block ISO like a zone insert type? Right. Yeah. So like that was ISO. And then inside zone, we did that because they wanted to be heavy gap scheme. And then I said, no, we kind of have to get some zone. We have to transition. You have to, I think you have to have both. You know, I don't think you can. I think at the high school level, yes. Yeah, so, like, you can't just be power and just be trap. Like, you have to 
do other things. So I did that. And for me, it worked a lot better until we saw like a three, five, then it was like, how are you going to double team over the place? Now you've really got to get them their path different. Now you really got to show them in this, you have to do this. That, that cyclone defense, that's what a lot of people are going to, and that does cause problems. I don't know what y'all see up there, but it's are the are the ends and threes or four eyes? Both. Yeah, you know, when they go in down here, or at least in the Houston area, they call it stack deep. But that three five causes a lot of fits. It really does. I think it's a good defense. I really do. Now I think any three down front, you gotta have a good nose. But yes, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that oh. three five you brought that up and I was like, Yes, you're right. That can be a rule breaker on a lot of stuff. Well, the first, this was my, so I took this job, I think it was April during COVID, like an idiot. I took it like an idiot thinking this isn't going to last as long as it did. Um, but anyway, we had a spring season. The first team we saw was a 3-3. We destroyed them the first quarter on ISO. Like first second quarter was just ISO, 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 a little bit of trap ISO. Then they started to bring them in. They had the zero and three techs. They brought them in, brought those backers down. Next week, we saw four two five, so it looked a little different. Then the next three or four weeks straight was three 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 five, And yeah. I'm friends with uh, Coach Nick Davis, the DC at Rose Holman. I asked him just a few days ago, he was on here, and I said, why do you think teams are going to this? Because I'm under the impression your nose guard's got to be this big guy's got to take on double teams. He said, no, people are going to it because you can put a fast guy there and just slant them and disrupt things. If you get fast linebackers, it really disrupts old linemen. Takes away the RPO a lot. Right. And so he's telling me that people are going to it because it saves linemen some breathers. You could put faster guys in for a set a little bit, and you can just line up. Like offense, we tried out formation people. He said when they do it, they try out formation on defense. They're going to line up a different way, but run the same coverage four times in a row. They're just lining up different. Yeah. Because they'll call it like cover four, cover eight, and it mm -hmm. depends on who their top guys are, whether it's those safeties. A lot of them call it eights down here. I don't know if they call them there. But, like, those outside linebacker types, they call them eights. So, like, cover eight would be dropping those guys in cover four. Cover four would be the true safeties and corners. You know, I think it disguises. I, I think, you know, and I know it, we're going different route, but I like this talk right here because I think that's a – a defense that people are going to see a lot more in the future. Like at least the next couple of years, everything seems to kind of cycle around or whatever, but um, uh, you know, they can disguise some things and it really whips the RPO stuff because of you have eight and I don't know if they play it. So like some teams down here will play with 50 backers. So they have those linebackers that are outside the tackles with the eight splitting the apex and, Number like just say you're two by two or whatever. The eights will apex the tackle in the number two, and they'll have 50 backers, you know, and they may have a safety spun down in the middle right there, where it's still like, and I mean, there's some things that they can do with it that they adjust in that back end and take away. You know, the key is trying to find ways that you can, you know, any three down front to me is an axe, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's it, whether it's three, four, three, five. I'm trying to steal things. That's the whole concept of it is to steal to, to C-gap. And now you have an eight, a linebacker, and a safety. So you have the illusion of numbers. A lot of them, what they're trying to do is give you the illusion of numbers that they want to invite you to places and stuff like that. And I don't know if that's the same as, as what y'all face, but, but that's my understanding of that 3-5.
yeah, that the first week was three three stack. So they really did. They were trying to get you to look in the flat. They wanted to steal things. They they were moving people. They were prowling. You know, right. stemming a lot. Then when we saw the that do what? I said to me a three three stack. A lot of what they're trying to do is is trying to get you to guess on who that fourth mm-hmm. rusher is. Right. You know, playing games that same Mike Bell, like you said, they're still giving you the skies of the flat, but which way, you know, they're gonna sit there, you know, as is O Lyman, if they're not coached well, uh, then they're gonna be, you know, ass chasers, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like you, you can't you can't chase, you know, that's that's what you're doing on weekends or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if you want to post that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's what they're going out and doing off the field because you have to trust your rules and stuff. And the 3-3 three, three stack, it, what it really does is cause disruption because of the movement that they're slanting, bringing different linebackers, stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, if they're not, if they're not bringing a fourth rusher, I feel confident as an O-line coach or as an offensive guy that I've got, I've got a beat on them. You know, you better – you better make it pretty uh, inconsistent, especially in the day of analytics like that we're in now that, that huddle allows us to do, you know, like analytics is, has slowly, you know, it, it all started with Moneyball. I don't care what mm-hmm. anyone says, like analytics started in baseball because baseball is one of those only sports that you can look at a scorecard and say, and see everything that happened in the game. Right. Right. And so now huddle, and different, um, I hate to just say one program, you know, but they seem to have a monopoly, but no one seems to bat an eye about it. But, you know, whatever, uh, not not my, you know, fight. But anyways, <laughs> you know, they do allow us to tag a lot of information and defenses, I think it makes defenses, you know, if you're, if you're on top of analytics, it makes defenses work for their money because – uh, ways that I, I've scouted blitzes and, and different fronts, I can get a pretty good bead where, you know, if you can get something over 80% of the time, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Sorry, okay. I just talk a lot. I don't even I don't know, know what we're talking about. I hated to interrupt right there. I apologize. That's why this is Joe Rogan style. It's just talking. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's unfiltered. I don't I don't care. Some people are like, I worry about what they're going to say. I'm like, I don't care. You know, it's a lot of it. If we start getting too deep in politics, that's where I stop things. I'm like, well, we, we no, I can't. Don't have that. No. I don't want half the internet to hate me. I'll never touch anything like that. Either get deplatformed or my head will explode because politics is just a whole nother, you know, it's like football. We make football complicated. They make politics complicated at the same time. But um, right. no, that, that was my reason for people doing the 3-3. Three, three. Now, when you draw it up for me, I salivate at it. I'm like, oh, we can just run like dive. We can triple team in the middle and do that. But when they start getting smart about it, how are you going to adapt? You can't just be that simple. So right. I salivate at it until I actually watch them. There's some teams that just do it. I've also heard people do it because they don't have the talent. Like they don't have the talent to do the – because people who got into that four two five, whatever you want to call it, real big, you know, that robber coverage stuff. Yeah, four two five is big in East Texas down here, yeah. Yeah, like a couple of years ago when I was first in OC, that was the big thing. Four two five, four three. If they ran a three four, it's because they didn't have the talent, so they stayed base three four. Once in a while, they'd move somebody. And me as the OC, I'm like, great, run a short game. I'm gonna trap. I'm gonna do whatever. 
Then up here in this conference, they went to the 3-3, 3-5, and they are stunting, they're slanting, they're moving around. I'm like, these guys really know how to run this. Like, they're not just right. doing it to take a break. So people are starting to get away from that 4-2-5. Like, sure. Because everyone well, wanted to – Here's the big deal. 4-2-5, how are you going to adjust to empty? Right. That, how you run to empty? How do you run the motion into empty? How do you do that when I, all – when the, what happens when the quarterback's a runner? You're like, exactly right. And then I think people just really wanted to do the TCU thing. Everybody had that TCU – a DC I worked for, he's telling us all this verbiage. And I looked at the head coach, I go, are we doing the TCU playbook? And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, this right here? And I pulled out my bag. I'm like, how do you have that? I'm like, everybody has it. And it order. I have yeah. all sorts of playbooks. It, it, like, blew his mind. Like, we used all the verbiage, the blue coverage, the mixed coverage. and. Right. I know Texas is a whole different animal, but at least in Illinois, a lot of that stuff, you have to have a lot of time to practice stuff like that. Like all right. that quarter quarters match and mix and, and when they run this and pick him up. And let me, let me ask you this. What is practice like up there in Illinois? It's like how long, what do y'all do? For us, we go anywhere for like an hour and a half to two hours. Now we don't get a spring ball. Like when we did spring this year, that was the first right. spring ball in Illinois history. So we don't get spring ball we get 25 contact days in the summer and that's when a football is around. So we can do chalk talks, weightlifting, walk through things, but we can't do a football. Um, practice about an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and that's about it. We start on August. That's how we roll things. And sometimes you got to do offense and defense the same day. You don't have two platoon. So right. everybody plays both ways. You got to do it all in the same day or just one day's offense, one day's defense. So one team I coached with, we had just an offense and just a defense. So it was a college practice. That's uh, most uh, – I have a 6 a in Texas. Yeah, sometimes up here it's – depends. Sometimes it's 6A, but mainly 7A day. You might run into that. See, we um, don't – we just stop at 6A. Even though Allen High School has 6,000 kids, but whatever. Well, yeah, that's a true story. Allen High School has 6,000 high school kids. There's some schools up here like that but they're not good at sports. It's just like, let's throw all these kids in one school. Like, that's just what it looks like. Then up here, you got the private schools. Like, that's another thing Illinois deals with is private schools can recruit, quote unquote, in like a 40-mile radius. And like, like we, one school I was at in 2018, we went 10 and one. One school we faced, their nose guard was going to recruit by Michigan. And they did not win the state title that year. They were really good. They just didn't win the state title. He transferred the next year to a private school to get a state title on his record. Like, they can just leave and go do that. I can't stand – you know, that's the problem. A whole other animal, but, you know, the loyalty that that we're teaching kids is is not very good right now. Like, like with the the portal that they have in college and stuff, did you see how many – Division One? what was it? Of all the sports, Division One, there was some stupid big number on how many yeah. were entering the transfer portal. And it's like, what are we trying to teach people? You know? You know? And but and then devil's advocate, you better be on your game. You know? Like, as a program, do things right, then you don't have to worry about that. You know? So where's the balance between that? Is it – will it cause some good? Yes, I do think. And now I might be one of the only coaches because, hey, if you're doing things right and you're treating your players right and you're treating them like they're part of a family and stuff like that, 
would they leave you just for a title? Some. But you don't want players like that on your team, you know? And, and it's like, I hope to be a head coach one day. I want to run a program that lets every single person know down to the person filming practice. You know, I'm going to go to the AV uh, department that, that, that is teaching, uh, you know, the, that does the news for the school and stuff. I'm going to get uh, uh, young adults, young men and women out there and say, Hey, I will give you a letter in football to be a part of this program and teach. I want the custodian to know that they have just a big of, of an impact on our success because when everybody knows that they have a role and knows that they are important, then good things happen. And even if, you know, we would all like to win state every year, you know, and that's the goal every year. In definition, at this moment right here, every high school, college, pro in the nation is a champion right now because the only thing that can happen is someone takes it from you, right? Right. If you went out, I mean, we're all undefeated right now. So the goal is, yes, I want to win a state championship, but everybody can't be the champion, you know? But if I can sit there as a head coach or even as a coordinator or as a position coach and let all my players and let all my teachers in that building and let all my custodians and let even old – Susie serving, you know, uh, ice cream cones down at the Dairy Queen, that she is a part of things, then I'm not going to lose those people. So I think some of this transfer portal stuff can end up being a good thing because people will realize you can't just treat someone like a an ID number. You can't just treat them like a, 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 um, a tool. You know, everybody's important. I think that's an important thing. And, and so hopefully coaches understand that that's the way to, to be, defeat this because we're not going to stop it. This is not going to, you know, none of that's over. Recruiting and all that stuff is going to go on wherever. Your, your top programs wherever, whether they're not doing it on purpose, it's going to happen because some people want to just go be a winner. But those fair weather fans that are players or not, if they just leave – and you've made them know that they're important, they're not helping your team. I mean, sadly, I mean, I don't want anyone to think that they're not important because that person is important. They can be good players, but everybody that is on a team that's successful, that's a championship team, wants to be there. And and if someone doesn't want to be there, they need to go, you know? And so it's important as coaches on our part to – let them know that I, that we want them there, you know? And, and I think that's the, the big way to combat all this. Right. Um, the school I was at in 2018 where I was – I told you I was doing it for free, and that's one of the reasons why I left. That coach was training that program around. We went 10-1 and one that year. was the best record they've ever had. Wow. One of the things I saw him do was team dinners. He would go give, you know, custodians food. He would go workers food that were staying there in third shift to, to clean the high school. We made sure we never let anything be dirty. We thanked people. We made the playoffs. Guess who we gave T-shirts to? He went to administration. He went to teachers. He went to custodial. Right. Here's, a t- here's a couple of T-shirts. Um, we clean this for you. You don't have to worry about this. Uh, the players said thank you to everybody. Like It was just this thing. And it took him seven or eight years to get to that 10-1. and one. They had not made the playoffs since 
But school had not made the playoffs since 1999. So it was 2018. We make the playoffs to go 10-1. and one. It took him seven to eight years to get to that point. But he told me, he's like, I was just laying the foundation in bricks. Like this, and he's consistent with it. He's like, this is what I do. And so he started to do that, and those kids did it. They did it without thinking. They would clean up something. They would go to the custodial staff and say, thank you so much. All right. Taking pride in what's yours. Right. And they did that. Um, and then to go to the transfer portal, and maybe don't need to dive too deep into this, but do you think sometimes it's because the college coaches are leaving too? They're recruiting, saying the stuff, and all of a sudden they leave. Like, I mean, I said earlier, like, I left schools because I needed the money because I was doing it for free. So part right. of like, I get it from a perspective, like, they need you, – you, you go to a different school. But for them, when you make millions of dollars, does that really matter – to be like, I want to make an extra million or, or, or whatever, or extra yeah, 100000 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you said, we don't want to get too deep in that because there's so many variables and all that. But that lies in it also at, this, at the college and pro level is, why should I be loyal to this person if they're not being loyal to me? And I think the important part is just uh, demonstrating that while I am here, and yes, this is my profession, while I am here, just as someone that's been in transition right now, mm-hmm. personally, I'm here 100%. I see my here for the rest of my life. You know, I just entered Pampa, and I, and I think one of the great things that I've seen just immediately coming in to the Panhandle area where towns are a little bit more isolated than Houston, you have a sense of community. Mm-hmm. You have a sense of family where that's the important thing to lay the foundations of is that we are a community we're in this together and we're a family i may have to leave because there are other circumstances but it's not because i'm leaving you it's not because i don't believe you're not going to be successful like when i left summer creek they're going to be great they have great players kenny harrison's a great head coach down there there's nothing that caused me to leave because of them and I never would want them to think that other than this is what was best for my family. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And family comes first. And I think as coaches, that's an important thing that we stress family and community because with the internet and things like that, the world has gotten really big, really fast, mm-hmm. really big, really fast. And we've started to lose that identity of community, which is an important part. You know, you go way back, humans were tribes, you know, each group was tight and we were successful as humans because we believed in each other 
Not that we were against other tribes, but that we believed in each other. You know, and I think that's the foundation of teams. The foundation of success is to understand that, hey, we are a tribe. We are a community. What happens in this office, what happens in this locker room, what happens in this meeting room is about us and nobody else. And we're in this together. There's not one person more important than the other person. Some people may have roles that get talked about outside of this tribe or outside of this community that makes it seem, and people are trying to tear us apart because the quickest part to create, uh, you know, dysfunction is to isolate someone in a tribe. And is as long as you emphasize as a coach that everybody here is just as important. You may not get on that field, but your role is, is important because Johnny over there couldn't run for 4,000 yards if you didn't give him a good look. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you're coming to my house, this guy coming, all the offensive linemen, I promise you at least three times a season will be in my house and I will cook the meal. I'm not going to order it outside. I'm going to cook it for them because I am showing them. I'm thankful. Guys, y'all work your tails off for me every single day. You run, you work, you lift, you do all this. This is the least that I can do because I am just like you i am a part of this tribe my role puts me in a position of leadership we're not necessarily in that sense the same but we're equal and i think that's where some people get it wrong that you're like well a coach is not equal to a kid we're all equal in our role now my position of leadership means that guys you have to look to me for the answers because i've lived through this that's what elders you know you go back to the tribes and stuff like that Elders have their role because the experience, experience is what gains knowledge. You know, intelligence, intelligence is reading a book and being able to say the answers that the book says. Experience gives you the knowledge of living through what the book says. Okay. So we're not different. We're all in this together. But my experience is the reason why you need to listen to me. You know, my role, I can't carry the rock 4,000. Hell, I'm almost 40 years old and 300 pounds. I ain't going to run the ball very well, guys. I, I, I might can bog someone a play or two, but after that third one, I'm tapping my head and you got to get me out, coach. But you guys have that. But what I have is the experience of playing. You know, offensive line is something that I've played or coached every single year of my life since I was 12 years old. I'm 38 years old, about to be 39. So for 26, 27 years of my life, every single year continuously has been nothing but dedicated to being part of a team, specifically an offensive lineman, and I've gained that experience. I've gained that knowledge that I want to share with you to make us all successful. And we need more of that. Like if they could take that into work, into the workforce, and we need more of that. Like this world just needs more of that. Like these past eight to 10 years. That's we, what we've lost. We've lost that. Like we were, we're against each other. Like I think the only time I'm really against someone else is LeBron James, Michael Jordan talk. That's probably the only time I'm against somebody else because I'm an MJ guy through and through. But I think that's the only time. Everything else, like, like I said, when we talk about inside zone, I remember posting one time on Twitter 
this is how we do inside zone. It looked like do, I just didn't block the end. I said, how do you guys right. do it? I should have never have done it. I had people saying the running back was drawn wrong on huddle. I had people saying, why would you do this? Like, what's this? What's this? I'm like, that's not what the point of this was. Because it's about me. Right. That's what people do that. People post that stuff. Well, look what I know. Look, I did this. Rather than realizing that you're trying to share and help people that may not have ever been exposed to how to block that stuff. And that's where a lot of that stuff is, especially, and I, I do say for the most part that coaches are good about this, mm -hmm. that we understand that we're a community and we try to share. But then you do have those people that are like, uh-uh, I do it this way and I know. And it's like, well, look, dude, that's not my point. Like, good. Good that you do that way. That way. I hope it's successful for you. But there's people that are young, going back to mm -hmm. like what we talked about earlier, they're young coaches that need to see this. They need to understand that this is a basis to go from. You know, one of the worst things for me that I would ever say is, well, that's the way we've always done it. Oh. The moment I ever say that phrase, I want to send me out to pasture. Okay. That's the definition of getting old to me. Getting old is not an age deal. Okay. I could be 80 years old right now. If I'm talking like this, I'm, I'm fine. The moment I refuse to adapt to evolve, to change, to learn. I've become old and I've become useless to anything. Oh, like, like I said earlier, when I was the only coach not born and raised there, guess what I heard all the time? Well, this way we've yeah, got we done, coach. Or this head coach that was there for 15 years before, well, that's the way they would have done it. And I'm like, cool, that's the way they did it. That's not the way. For them. What was their record? Right. Like, I think I said that to somebody. I was like, well, how many state titles do you have? And they had this many. And I'm like, oh, there yeah. you go. Like, they don't need to measure that. But when you get mad enough and frustrated enough, you're like, what? Yeah, I mean, at some point, you do have to put it on the table or whatever, you know? Right. And so, oh, I heard that all the time. This way, we've always done it. And I'm like, and, and I think some people need to, like you said, young coaches need to see that stuff. Like, when I was younger, I would still remember one of my jobs is driving DVDs to trade film. But they were DVDs. They weren't tape. It was DVDs. Oh, yeah, coach. I trade those VHS, go meet the McDonald's halfway in between. Yep. Trade, you know, and all that. Coach, I remember, and I guess you're, how old are you? Probably about my age, right? 38 years. Well, I'm 30. I'm 30. Yeah, Man, y'all were trading DVDs eight years. Coach, Texas, we were beyond that. No, I'm just joking. Anyways, <laughs> so when I started coaching, we had to go meet somebody in a town with a VHS, but it was just at that transitional point. So then we had to take the, the VHS, put it in, convert it to digital, mm -hmm. then split it, ODK and split it right there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, you know, and then I hear coaches that, that, that had coached me and, and mentors, they had to go sit there and drive to a metropolitan area, sit overnight in line, and get the film converted into the, the, the 8 millimeters, 16 millimeter coach. You know, I mean, there's amazing – Technology has changed things so much. It has been the biggest change. I graduated high school in 2000. Everything that I did before then, you know, you look at it pre-2000, you know, right around 2000 is when things just went flip mode on everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So pre-2000 was that point that everything was analog before. When I was a player, and this is why things are getting really uh, on a next level, even on the high school if my coaches didn't know something, if I didn't know something, I wasn't going to learn it because I didn't have access to the internet. 
nowadays, these young student athletes, every coach, even the coaches, the, the world is ours right now. We can access more information than anybody, you know? That's what I was getting ready to say. Like, that happened. And then, like, for young coaches, they need to see that stuff because when we did it, even me, I graduated high school in 2009. But even then, like, the internet was a thing. But that was AOL dial-up that they don't know about. That's that it. was – and hey, well, the messenger was the first DM right there, man. That was the first DM in the chat rooms. Like that was the stuff That's that it. the chat rooms was the tenders and stuff. Now, like that was That's the it. thing. That's it. Um, we had to go ask coaches. We had to do this, or or you just figured it out, or you weren't going to add this play because you didn't know. And that I think is where, and I think where we kind of went on this was, well, this is the way we've always done it. I think some of those older coaches don't understand because everybody i don't know i think everybody's smart i think being smart is being able to understand that i don't know anything you know saying that i'm dumb is knowing that i'm smart because i need to learn more i, I should never get to a point in my life that i say well this is it i, I know it all i got it from here on out you know and those coaches didn't have the access to resources that we do so sometimes it's harder for them and, and another thing is they're afraid to break things i talked to an old coach once when i was young he didn't realize you know you can recover files like say you mess up i can go to re just restore the last version you mm -hmm. know they're they're more resistant and older coaches and i'm not an ageist anyone that's over 40 right now please don't be cussing me <laughs> searching me out or anything I'm just trying to tell y'all, this is how you can learn and adapt is realize things can break and you can fix it a lot easier with the internet and that the resources are out there that you can learn. So there's never a reason to say, this is what I know. And this is, I'm scared to learn anything else. And sometimes we learn a lot, but sometimes don't be afraid to look back and be like, well, can this work again? You know, cause football's kind of going, right. it's kind of wow, going great. back. Cause like I, I bet the Pat Rippey guy taught me that each year I write down and I have on an external hard drive, how I block things every year. Mm -hmm. And he told me, he's like, you better record it every year, how you did everything. I have on a hard drive, every play. Well, since huddle came out that, that I had access to the stuff. Uh, and I was a varsity coach. I have those plays that I can always refer back to. Because I said it earlier, things get cyclical. Mm -hmm. You know, look at how some people have had a lot of success in the past five years with like option play. Mm -hmm. You know, and people got all the way away from it. Even zone read. Zone read is an evolution of beer. It's beer option is all it is. You just got to flip it. You know, beer option play side is the back side of zone read. That's all it is. Period in the story. You can talk to all those people that have been around in that transition. They'll tell you that, you know. And I think it's important to learn that history also. You know, look at all that stuff and see how the game evolved to understand where it's going. You know, if you want to understand, you want to be good, you want to be knowledgeable of something, you better not just know what is now, what is going to be, but what it was. Right, because RPOs were triple option type take from it. it. Your uh, read fish, the deal where they sit there and you, 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 I don't know what they call it up there. Zone read fish is triple option. It's just wider. You know, mm -hmm. the fish route. What do y'all call it up there? Step and then back pedal. It's not a bubble or whatever, but. 
Some people call it bubble pop. Oh, they talk paw dadding or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're a little country down here in the south now. We got our euphemisms and idioms down here. I, I can pick it up. Central Illinois is not country like you guys, but I grew up five minutes from the corn. Like I think I came from I, the cornfield. I think I came right. straight from. Go to another corn. That's right. Because I'm I'm six five, two hundred and eighty pounds. Like I think I came from the corn. Like that's just that's what. It. It, Bailing hay and all that stuff. Like, that's just what oh, it was. What, that was. That was what I was taught was summer jobs work. Bailing hay you know and tasseling. That's it. Bailing hay. My, my, my dad, who's in another room right now, he was like, that's how you get ready for football. Learn yeah. how to load that. Is there anything different than power clean? Sit there, pull, yeah. pull on that forearm, throw it up right there. Clean and jerk. That was the first clean and jerk was loading hay. That's, I, I, you know. Fight me on that one. I promise you that's where it evolved. No, <laughs> you know, but. No, you're right, and it's heavier. It's heavier than. It is, especially you got alfalfa or something like that. Oh, yeah. That, it was, they pay you pretty good at the time. You're like, is this worth it? You're 13, 14 years old. Well, I was paid $20 in a jumbo jet, and people laughed at me. And then <laughs> I'm got, I got older, and I was like, and my dad was like, Oh, hell, I wasn't even making that in the 60s and 70s. I was like, why didn't you say something then? He's like, that's good for you. Yeah, yeah, you know. We would do that. Our head coach would know somebody. And so, like, in the summer, if we had a break, guys, go work for him. He's going to pay you because it's the football team. And some had never done it before, so we're out there doing it. And some of these younger guys are like, what is this? I'm like, just do it. Shut up and do it. Like, Get out there and do it. Just go. Wear a long sleeve shirt. Wear a long sleeve shirt. guys listening, I don't care how hot it is. I don't care how tough you are, put that long sleeve shirt on when you're loading hay. Loading hay on while it's moving and it's coming out, you got to stack it. Then when you get to the farm. Forearms and forearms will look like you're a cutter or something like that if you don't put long sleeve shirts on. And you can't just wear normal gloves. You need those special gloves or those hands are going to be torn up. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, we got off topic, (laughs) but man, that's a good point. The first clean and jerk you ever do. That's it. First funny jerk I ever did was loading hay and throwing it up on that top when you got towards the end right there and you had to get up there. And then the last time I ever bailed hay, they had the thing that moved up to the top. And I'm like, this is easy. You oh, just stacked it. Oh. See, that's how old coaches look at us also. Ah, uh, you guys, you don't even have to go drive to McDonald's and trade film or you know, get it developed. Ah, uh, you guys don't know nothing, you know. And But here's the deal. Technology's there. Why not yeah. use it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, why not like, use it? Not a bad thing. Don't be resistant against it. You know, you can sit there and be mad that, that these these young men, these these kids, young women don't have to do what you did. But hell, I would have took that someone that automatically loaded it too. I, I'll be honest, you know, and 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 but understand that those fundamentals of everything are important. So learning work, you know, and coding. You know, hey, nowadays, I, I make sure my daughter learns how to code. I have an 11-year-old daughter. Is that not the same as learning how to load hay? Like, you got to manually sit there, type in every single thing, and there'll be something that comes out within 10 years that does that base work for you, and there'll be something else. And, and getting great and learning how to develop is learning those fundamentals, tying it back in. See, Coach, look how good I am. I'm a, we didn't get off on a tangent. This is all part of what we meant right here. <laughs> Learning how to do things on a base level, looking at the past and how it was done before, is important 
to learn how to grow for the future because now you can see where you fit on that four-dimensional chart right there. And then we have to give back. So go back to the social media thing. When I post that and I want to learn, I hope whatever gets posted, a young coach is able to look at it. If they look at it and they go, Coach Steve, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? And this and that. They're going to be afraid to even ask questions. They're going to be like, well, is this coach going to treat me that way? That's exactly right. Social media is a big thing. That, that's, a, that's a small town newspaper. You get mm-hmm. to cast the largest net that you can and, 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 and like it or not, life is about perception too. And people better understand that what you're about and what defines you. You know, my Twitter account I look at is like a live resume. It's my small town newspaper. What do I want people that don't see me on a day-to-day basis? What do I want to get across that I'm about? Well, I'm about educating and about sharing ideas. No one cares what I ate for dinner last night. You know what I'm saying? Now, if they want a recipe, they can ask. I'm going to make some beef enchiladas here in a second (laughs) that may not be healthy, but they are going to be great and delicious. So if anybody wants that uh, recipe, go ahead and send it in the DM when this comes out. I'll send it to you. (laughs) But I'm not going to post that on Twitter because nobody cares about that stuff. Or at least I don't care if anyone knows what I'm doing. I want people to know that I'm about sharing ideas and networking, that we're in this together. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's another reason why I like this podcast. I can talk to coaches, and we're just more than coaches. There's other things going on. That's why why I changed the name. That's why it's Joe Rogan style. And I hope I don't waste coaches' time when I do that, but I like to talk about life, scheme, food, W. I don't care, golf. It doesn't matter. We're all human, but I like giving back as well. Because I can't tell you how many coaches – because I'm not big time whatsoever. But coaches I have asked to come on here, they go, thank you so much. I've never done a podcast. Now they know who I am. Now they know how I think. Now they know right. I have a voice. And that means everything to like give somebody a voice yeah. on this podcast. And that's why I love doing it. Right. Players, players are the same way. You know, you got to let them know that they're important and they have a voice. Everybody's favorite subject is themselves, no matter what they say. And that's not selfish. That's, that's, that's the way it should be. You know, but understanding that yourself isn't the end all be all is the thing that you have to teach people, you know? Right. Um, well, coach, I know you got to make dinner. So I took a lot of your time. Yes. yes. You got to make dinner. I appreciate you coming on. This was fantastic. I need you to get you back on and talk more inside zone or outside zone. I'm really trying to get into. I've never dabbled. I have to dabble. Now wide zone. Outside or wide zone. Zone. Wide zone. There's, there's tight zone, inside zone, wide zone, mid zone. Outside zone, some people can be very particular, Coach. We may cause some controversy if we label something that it ain't. So, Oh, I've said outside zone before, meaning wide zone, like before. No, well, which one do you mean? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> or I've said – I just said – Yeah, I'll have to do that. Well, Coach, I appreciate you doing this. Not was, a problem. It was fantastic. Everybody out there listening, thank you for listening. Go follow Coach Arnett on Twitter. He will not give you recipes unless you ask. Ask me, slide in my DMs. I'll give you recipes. I'm a great cook. All offensive line coaches should be great cooks. Uh, we're big guys. You know, uh, Kobe Carthel, the head coach of SBA, says, can't be a big-time coach, be a big coach, you know? so. And that's what we'll end on. Thank you, Coach. Mary 
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.